Welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents. I'm Kyle here with my co-host James to talk again about the Southland Tales. James, talk to me about what we're going to do. All right. Well, today we've got Blake joining us. And Blake uh, has watched the Southland Tales can cut as his first experience of this movie. So we're bringing him in today to talk about our beloved movie again. Yeah, we wanted to answer that question of like, if, because this came up when we were doing our cut, right? Or our episode on the can cut, is this movie just making sense? Or is it making sense because we've seen it 10,000 times and torn it apart? So I want to jump off with like a real big high level question for you, Blake. Blake, does this movie make any sense to you? I, I could grab like little wisps of uh, sense as I watched it, and um, but I think it it required some um, to just find get any comprehension. It required a bit of work afterwards to okay. look into. Um, Fair. I, I, Can I flip this around? And because I think this will be uh, fun for me, if for nobody else, Blake, would you describe the Southland Tales? to me and James and anybody else who might hear this? Oh, God, uh, that's a tough one. Can I describe it? So, um, it's a post-apocalyptic um, Amer- oh, world. Um, world War Three has happened. There was a nuclear bomb dropped. Um, and now there's an ongoing war between what the US, Iraq, Syria, um, I think there are another couple of Middle Eastern countries. Um, um, and so it's set in 2008, but it was made in 2006, so it seems like a lack of foresight to project it further than that. Uh, although I think the war was relevant at that time anyway. Um, but yeah, so then there's um, there's a... How does it go? So, so we've got the bomb, and then all the US states are split up. For some reason, uh, you need visas to travel um, between states. Um, people are going to war, having bad experiences, coming back. We're introduced to um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. What's his name? Boxer Santor Santanos. Yeah. He's um, he's an amnesiac for some reason. He's married to the daughter of the, the of a senator and we're approaching election day or the, yeah a republican contender and we're approaching election day um he's been fooled into um having a relationship with a porn star who's also a big um media celebrity has her own channel um and uh, the un- some underground movement who are somehow associated with the Liberal Party, I think. Um, they're using him as a puppet to try and um, deface the Republican Party. Um, meanwhile, what else is... Oh, yeah, then within that, that movement, there's some people... We think they're twins. Um, one's meant to be a cop, the other one's tied up. Right. And, oh, the, the porn star and um, boxer have written a... Um, screenplay 
um, to research those with the cop. No, Sorry, I was just going to say, like, what did you think of the screenplay or like, but yeah. Let's get into questions. Really, I want to tell you, because you're doing an amazing job with this so far. I'm really impressed at how, like, your comprehension of this movie. I had to oh, this is one big ramble, but I think that reflects the movie more than my own. <laughs> All right, let's see if you bring this puppy home. What else do you got? Like, where does it, where does it end up? Where does it lead to? Um, so he's lured, uh, is lured into going on a, on a kind of bit of a research for the role with the cop. They're on a car. They go around, they've set up a murder, uh, a domestic abuse call. They go there, but there's a plant that gets picked up along the way. Another cop who you think's a legitimate cop, I think he is a legitimate cop. They all go in together. The legitimate cop actually kills the people. Um, Box is filming all of this. Then it's a crossover with. Yeah, then, oh, then it gets the it get politics within the um within this uprising group. Those and, are the neoliberals, right? Or the neo-Marxists. Yeah. Then there's blackmail and intrigue, and it all gets back to the family. Oh, and there's also an energy company involved with this <laughs> technology. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is the energy company. Sorry, I'm not yeah. laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie is insane, and that's why I'm laughing. So, sorry, continue. And they end up on a blimp. Or <laughs> 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 a zeppelin, as it were. And, um, and then it's revealed that there's... That, oh, and the um, boxer becomes increasingly more convinced that the screenplay that he's apparently written is actually running and people are fooling him to think that's the case. And then he's on the he's on the Zeppelin and it was revealed to him that he is actually his future self. They've got the body of the other guy. And then the cop you, the cop you think has a brother is uh, turns out he's somehow involved in that rip in the time space continuum. And then they shoot the blimp and everybody the world maybe ends, maybe doesn't. Fantastic. Um, I mean, really fucking fantastic job with that. Oof, I don't know. Mate, but I mean, you got like... You got so much of the movie and it honestly took, like with the previous cut, like about three watches to get that far in. Like, and it... Oh, that's good. I was yeah. kind of going to watch the other cut because I feel like if you cut a bunch out of it, it might have more of a linear... Um, you, you think that, but it is not the case. The the theatrical cut, the shorter cut, is much more confusing and much less linear. Yeah, it really, and it introduces this. So a lot of what you were able to take away is forced into the theatrical cut through this graphic interface of the website that they all keep talking about. So you, as a viewer, kind of get a a sense of. I don't know, this, this world and the, the communication method that they have to use to navigate it, but it, it ends up being really, really busy and really confusing. So I think you really, by giving that thorough of a plot description, 
answer our thesis question here, it seems like the can cut makes much more sense. The only way to really do this is to give <laughs> some other poor schmo a shot at just the theatrical cut and see if they can make sense at it. But I don't, I feel like that's cruel. <laughs> okay, so how did you, did you enjoy your time with the movie? What was your just kind of personal reaction? I did, I thought, were, I thought it was pretty funny. I got quite a few laughs in because some of the dialogue's pretty good, sharp. I think it's um, really hilarious. I enjoyed uh, Dwayne Johnson's performance. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, th yeah, I think it was, I think knowing that when it was made and the, what was going on as well, kind of also, there's some sort of resonance with that. Um, and yeah, the horrors of war and whatnot. Sure. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think I enjoyed it, but I think, um, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's a mess. <laughs> It's definitely a must, yeah. So my, my interpretation of this film, by the way, is that it's intentionally messy. Like, he purposefully wanted you to feel uncomfortable and confused because the end of the world will be uncomfortable and confusing. So that was, that was my interpretation because I feel like so many decisions made in this film are confusing, but so much so that you're like it's on purpose like you can't just be that confusing just by a bad edit or something i mean the director is quite capable i think maybe he just um he the amount of ideas and what he wanted to do got away on him and it was more a sign of inexperience of not being able to trim and find um a core idea i, I mean know. that i think is what most people think of the film but when I watch it enough time, I'm just like, I think possibly that's what happened a little bit at the end. But also he was attempting to be confusing anyway. So it really gets out of hand. Like it really, it was already planning to be a little bit of an unsteered ship. And then it gets out of control. Um, I take a bit of a middle way on this issue and it comes after watching the rest of Kelly's films. And I, I think he's a very, very talented and controlled director. He really can make a thing that he wants to make, at least when he's doing sort of moody tonal things. So the fact that this thing is messy and out of control, I'm willing to give him credit for desiring or attempting to try and balance I think it might be that he's not necessarily in control of this genre, but I also think it's a manifestation of the genre because cyberpunk is something that I really enjoy, but I enjoy it as like a 500 page novel and trying to get that across as a 200 page screenplay, which is a really sparse uh, discipline in terms of writing. It, it just is so hard to build a world in a cyberpunk world specifically because those novels like snow crasher or neuromancer or you know a few of the other foundational texts the the world is so bizarre and so far away from what we understand but it is attached to our today james you made a point about uh scalability and extrapolation when we were talking about artworks i think that's really true with cyberpunk specifically and I just think it's a little anti-cinematic, not anti-cinematic, 
it's just hard to do in a few hours. Yeah. And that's where this thing falls apart for me. And for a highly interested second, it seems, um, it seems like he is kind of a misstep in terms of why not do something a bit less ambitious. Like, I guess he had quite a fair bit of clout after Donnie Darko, but yeah, to yeah. justify such a massive vision, like, yeah, I don't know. Whether that counts as a blank check movie, right? Like this guy made this little indie movie for a few million dollars, and it wasn't a Donnie Darko wasn't a big hit, obviously in the box office. Uh, we talked about it on our show with that one because of when it came out. It, it came out like uh, September twenty eighth, two thousand one, or like October first, or something. And so the fact that it features a plane crash as a plot mechanism changed the marketing for the movie dramatically, and that they just didn't market it. Yeah. So it didn't make a ton of money in its theatrical run, but obviously it's a huge cult success. And by the time this one came around, Southland Tales, Richard Kelly kind of could write his own way. And this is what he decided to make. And then after this, even when they gave him something a little more restrained in the box, that movie is also stuffed full of these kind of ideas. So it, I don't know. There, it, it, it is a little bit... I think I'm trying to respond to your point about making something a little more stripped down for his sophomore effort. And I just don't know if he's capable of making a quiet, small movie. This dude just has to like, wah, put every idea he has into everything he's doing. What are his other films? I've only, I've only seen Donnie Darko. The Box is, uh, he made three Oh, yeah. oh yeah, this is like based on the Twilight Zone episode, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, is that any good? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, listen to our episode for more, but I really enjoy about half of what that movie's doing. As a complete film, I think it's kind of a failure, but I'm but it, but it does a lot of things that are really strong. Like there are a lot of clever uh, like visual cues, a lot of clever like character developments like there's a lot of stuff in there that's really great but then the the story... point, like, it had been stripped down and just a kind of tense horror movie it would be maybe one of my favorites or certainly a really good movie but because it's overstuffed with these crazy ideas about the government and conspiracy and the interconnected nature of humanity which is kind of there in button button that's what the thing is about but it just it goes too too big too far doesn't really work for southland tales did you guys have, do you have a problem that um kind of it's doesn't well in my opinion it doesn't really stand alone um because it starts at like chapter four right and like you meant to i don't know you expected to do a lot of homework before or after um, because of its density, it, it seems like as a shouldn't the film be a film um, as its own like piece of art rather than uh, incorporate a, a lot of um, yeah. I, I think we talked about this in our episode. I like I, there's no should or shouldn't right. If you want a big multimedia project, fine. But for me as a viewer, if I'm going to turn on a movie, I am going to judge it on just that box in front of me and the story being told right now. So if I have to go to 
a comic book or a website or whatever the other thing is, I'm probably not going to do it. Like there are, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars and there's a lot of Star Wars media that I just am not ever going to ingest because that's not how I watch movies Mm. or television or, you know, so I'm with you. I think that's kind of a problem. I don't like it um, generally in movies and I don't think it works very well here. Mm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look at uh, books one to three or whatever, you know, the the, Uh. the acts one to three in the comic, whatever. I've never seen it. I just, I, I love this movie because it's crazy, I, I, but I just never went and researched anything afterwards. My partner over on Made in the 90s, Dylan, has, he watched, I sent him the can cut because uh, we were talking about it over on that channel a little bit. And he went and read the comics. And his response was, nah, it doesn't make any sense. It's just more. <laughs> 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 Same trouble, I guess. Like, do you have any other sort of questions? Any like looming threads? Is there anything that that sort of tripped you up, or like, if you if you knew the answer to this, that then you'd be like, oh, now the movie. Um, I don't think so. Um, I thought Mo- uh, Moby did the soundtrack. I noticed his name in the in the yeah. credit. I think the the closing song. Sounds a lot like um, it sounds very Moby. It sounds a lot like Porcelain. It's that Moby was doing the soundtrack. Um, I think it's a track from that same album. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Because it's a little later on in play, which was a listen, an album I listened to a lot around that time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what did you think of the Energy Company? What was their goal? The energy, what was their goal? Yeah, so there was something, yeah, maybe there's something I didn't understand. I understand the association between the energy company and the, um, was the head of that also a politician or was he involved in the underground movement? You know, the guy, the um, uh, despicable, um, the Princess Bride. yeah, actually, yeah, that's something I'm um, hazy. So the answer is yes. James, take okay. it away. No, I was just saying, like, he is involved in politics on both sides. So uh, he, he's with the neo-Marxists and he's with the Republican side. But why, James? Why? But why? Like, that's... Uh, well, because he's trying to sell the product to either or both of them, is it? So my opinion is that he's the Antichrist and he's trying to bring about the, the, the end of current life and the start of a new form of society under him. Okay. He's got, like, so I, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't read a lot about this movie. I just interpret a lot in my own. <laughs> but I basically, the whole... The whole film's like a second coming of Jesus plus the coming of Antichrist and the end of the world apocalypse kind of film. And Boxer is Jesus or is... Boxer and Roland. Yeah, Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott are both kind of like a a time travel Jesus. 
Okay. They're yeah. quantumly entangled through the mechanisms of fluid karma. That's right. Yeah. Energy. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was the other the other element of it is yeah this the the drug the fluid karma. Right. Um, which sends Justin Timberlake into that great little uh, scene of um of uh. A music um, video. Soldier, not a soldier. I love that scene, man. Because yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's cool and beautiful, but then also like Justin Timberlake is truly like putting through about ten different emotional like cues throughout it. Like he's kind of like happy, and then he's like angry, and you know, like the whole thing is kind of like this this journey through this like drug trip. It's quite yeah, actually. So what? And how does he play into it? He's um a post-war um like a war veteran with with problems carrying the weight of uh the weight of having been in a war and come so they, the the war was drafted because they couldn't get enough uh people to participate in the war so they reintroduced drafting and the the pilot Aberdeen um was a famous actor who got drafted to the war and then took a shrapnel from uh I just learned that right now. He was an actor before the war. Yeah. And he had, he did plastic surgery. He had like a, a plastic surgeon and he was all like about being beautiful and popular. I thought that he'd been, oh, that, okay, that is interesting. I thought that he had been made a star after the war as a propaganda effort to like think pop up the war. And then they used him to sell the... Anyway, so Pilot Abilene, Justin Timberlake's character, is the narrator. And the reason he's oh, the narrator yeah. is because no, he's the, Actually, you, you, you're revealing the questions that I ought to have asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he is the narrator, I believe, because he takes a drug that allows him to see the word of God. That's the red fluid karma. <laughs> yeah. So the, the red colored drug actually lets him kind of hear the word of God or see it or talk, you know, like, yeah. Or become so quantumly entangled with the whole universe. That's right. He, he's now entangled with, with the actual timeline, with everything. Which it's is real, that's why uh, The Rock believes that his script is playing out in real time is because his, his, he's quantum entangled with his script which is quantum entangled with the movie that we're watching. So, what did I just say? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's just, he, he got entangled going through the time thing with much like, much like a pilot Abilene can see the story, uh, Boxer Santeros becomes the story. He's tied in with the actual time and the actual apocalypse. He becomes a big, like, so he's able to write the story of what's happening because he's, he's now living the entire timeline. Like, it's all, it's all in him. He's entangled with the whole thing. So he can see the whole thing. He doesn't quite understand it. So he thinks it's a story. And then some, you know, scientists say that the future can be far more futuristic than previous. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, 
I'm, I'm waiting for some opportunities to deploy that uh, <laughs> phrase uh, in, in uh, civilian life. Um, um, what about, um, what's Justine now? Was it Justine? No. Uh, Krista. 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 Um, she is a co-author of the, of the screenplay. Um, I she, think she's just on board. Maybe she's tied in somehow. Well, is she being used? She's being used at a couple of different levels by the neo-Marxists. They right. put her in position to seduce Boxer Santeros because they want to collapse Bobby Frost's presidential run. But by being there, she becomes more involved in the greater art because I think the Baron is also putting her there. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's got these plans. To Will Sasso puts her there. Will Sasso works for the Baron. That's how she ends up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's very convoluted. Yeah. Mm. Um, the the neo-Marxists all know about this quantum entanglement. Um, no. So everyone has they somehow, but they somehow have the script written by virtue of the quantum entanglement. So the script is written uh, by Boxer with Krista, and then Krista puts it up onto the her website, and then people download it from there. So they think it's just a screenplay. Most people. Uh, so who's, who's who's the puppeteer of um of boxer? So the Baron is typically the puppeteer, but then it uh, kind of reveals that the Baron's mother is puppeteering the Baron. So everyone has a plan, and everyone's plan is being undermined and collapsed. It's kind of the idea. So everyone has this big idea of what they want to happen, but everyone else's plan is ruining everyone else's plan in a big spiral toilet. Oh, much like modern society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the human, yeah. gosh, it really speaks to me, this film. So that's where watching this movie, I felt like so relevant, like, you know, people on the internet, everything having opinions and nothing, <laughs> nothing going anywhere. Yeah. I felt this movie was more relevant now than in 2008. Well, it's really foretold the um, the online persona, like um, the of the porn star, yeah, Krista. Krista. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where she's defined by her um, sure. online media, and she's got an expansive catalogue as well. Yeah, but, cock chuggers, cock chuggers too, the chugging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, the energy drinks and everything. Yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah. Sort of all the idea of a, a billionaire touting alternative energy as a saving grace, that's probably a little more dangerous than we think it is. Yeah. Really pretty important to take away today. Mm. That's right. Giving them, a, like, that's it. Like, unlimited, like, because it's fueling the military complex, they get access to so many things that they... But because they need the fuel, they're just doing it. And then it obviously kind of gets out of hand, but the government doesn't even notice it gets out of hand. So, you know, and that theme kind of comes up again in the box, like you were saying uh, with that episode, James, in terms of the <laughs> spoilers for the box, Blake, but the NSA is being controlled by aliens. 
and nobody can do anything about it because they're a secret organization. So you can't question if they're being controlled by aliens because they're not going to answer you anyway. All right. And so this kind of idea of our, our political shell games of nobody we think is in control is actually in control and we're all just kind of chasing each other's tails. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I just, I thoroughly enjoy it, this and I like that there's so many questions at the end. Like basically you're like, you come out just with a big what or why. You know, and then you just sit there for like a while or like late at night, you're kind of like, why was that bit in there? <laughs> so, I mean, I just thoroughly enjoy movies like that where I kind of come away and like two days later, I'm still just sitting there like, Jesus, why did they put that bit in there? Because <laughs> there was a decision to put that in there. I don't know whose decision it was, but somebody did it. I you like know? those movies when I feel like there's an answer and I like... Uh, Richard Kelly movies because I feel like he has an answer it doesn't always express itself on the screen and so when I'm watching his movies I'm sometimes a little befuddled and, and kept at a distance but every time I talk about his movies I really enjoy it so I want to keep watching his movies yeah so yeah. that's that's for me what about you Blake how do you what's your up and down at the end of the day yeah I mean uh, it was a real a real head scratcher and I guess I kind of went through similar things like James where I was like what, what have I watched why was that in there how does it all link up and make sense um but then I was also reminded of the of the fun dialogue that was there as well so yeah I mean, it was, uh, I mean I love that I love how unsettling some of the dialogue is like it honestly like they bring up this whole dialogue piece about I'm a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide. <laughs> and it becomes like a central piece of the whole movie's like third act. And you're like, that's <laughs> part of the show or the movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's out of nowhere and it doesn't get explained and everyone's on board with it. So every time he says it, it's not like someone's going, wait, what do you mean? Weird. What, what exactly? <laughs> I get it. You're a pimp. Pips don't commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. There's no explanation needed for that sentence. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Blake, man, thanks for joining us on this thing. It's been a fun experience. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you were willing to sit through it. My pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me to watch it. Uh, it was, um, I, I'd, I'd never heard of it before, actually, until we were talking about it on that other, on our other group chat. Um, and so, yeah, I was, because um, I, I enjoyed Donnie Darko, I thought it was uh, definitely worth my time. And I, I think it was. it was. It was good. Yeah. Right on. Well, maybe yeah. watch The Box, because if you thought this was good in any way, The Box is a lot better in a lot of ways, but similarly <laughs> crazy in a lot of ways. Right. So, it's got its own crazy uniform, uh, universe that it. Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like. Personally, there are more holes in the box than Southland Tales for me. Like at the end, there are actual holes that don't have answers that I can plug in. Whereas Southland Tales, even if I'm just making it up, I can kind of fit <laughs> things into the, the holes. Like the square peg goes in the kind of squarish hole. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about that. But I think the difference for me is that I can see, and we talked about this, but I can see a way to edit the box down to a movie that makes sense and is awesome. Yeah. 
And I don't know how you really do that with the Southland Tales. It just is no. so wild. I would like to see that actually, the box with a bit stripped out as a kind of mysterious, horror kind of film. With, yeah, I'm gonna with see if I can, I'll, I'll chop down a copy and then see what we can do. I got the time, so. Oh man, that'd be so cool. Uh, yeah, thanks Blake. It was, um, it's amazing to like hear someone else's opinion on this film because a lot of people don't watch this film. <laughs> or they see a bit of this film and they stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you get frightened off by the reviews and the duration. <laughs> so, 